Good morning, Deep Run family. This morning we will be reading from the English Standard Version. Um, if you are here or um, joining us virtually and you need a Bible, um, feel free to let one of us know and we will find a way to get one to you. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, the judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the work your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies." But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. 
Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Can you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts today uh, be pleasing to you and draw us closer to you. Amen. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We saw how Jesus, during the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, said to the Jews in Jerusalem celebrating that feast that that he was the true source of living water for anyone who would come and drink. Now, at that very same feast, we pick right back up at that feast, at that very same feast, he is now saying that he is also the source of light to the whole world. And he said this, John tells us in this passage, in the treasury, And the treasury was probably also where the court of the women were. Uh, There was a court for men and there was a court outside the temple for women. The treasury was likely where the court for the women was and it was there on the Feast of Tabernacles every year that they lit four great lamps, four bright lamps in that that part of the, the temple courts. And, and they lit them up, they were huge, and they, they lit up the whole area every night for the entire eight days of the feast. It was a celebratory moment, and it was in that light, in that celebrated lamplight, that Jesus said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being there in that light and hearing Jesus say those words? But I've had to ask myself, would I have believed them? Would I have believed Jesus speaking those words? Would you have believed him in that moment? Because we see that although many believed, many did not. And we listen to this entire debate, this intense debate between Jesus and especially the religious leaders of the Jews in Jerusalem. And it says specifically here, the Pharisees. They did not believe in what Jesus was saying. And this fascinating debate between Jesus and those leaders, it, it, it builds, it intensifies, and it climaxes in an attempted stoning. And then, you know, he, he slips away because it wasn't yet his time to suffer. 
These leaders who were ready to stone Jesus took great offense at what he said there in the lamplight. They took offense at his amazing claims to be the light of the world, to be the source of truth, and to be the deliverer who would bring freedom. Light, truth, freedom, these amazing claims is what they took offense at. And they could not believe him. And I would suggest to you that our world today still takes offense at those claims of Jesus. I am the light of the world. I am the truth. And if you come to me, you will be free. You'll be free indeed. Those, those claims. And I would suggest that we still take offense to those very claims. You may be a Christian and you may say, no, I don't. I believe Jesus is the light and the truth and that he's the source of freedom. Um, but there may be an area in your life that you still take offense to the claims of Jesus. It may be an area of your life that only you are aware of. It may be an area of your life that really only exists in your thinking or in certain habits. But it is certainly what the world in which we live believes. It takes great offense to Jesus as the light and the truth and the liberator who brings freedom. You know, the Bible reveals there is an irreconcilable dichotomy between God and humanity. It's all over the Bible, but it's illustrated so well here in this debate between Jesus and the Pharisees. It's illustrated in contrasts. Jesus teaches and debates in this moment by bringing out contrast. He contrasts lightness, light, and darkness. He contrasts truth and lies. He contrasts freedom and slavery. But Jesus is the only source of light and truth and freedom. I hope you will consider that. I hope you will believe it. If you're not a Christian or you're not sure you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you will consider this. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope you will reconsider this for dark corners of your life that you do not yet believe the truth, that you have not yet come to know freedom. More about that later. And I want to address this by talking about how Jesus is the answer to darkness and falsehood and slavery. Jesus contrasts light and darkness in his remarkable debate with the, the leaders of his day. I mean, these are, this is the cream of the cream regarding theological, pastoral, religious professionals. And, you know, their debate, he's, an un, you know, he's untrained in the sense of he wasn't part of a rabbinical school, you know, he didn't go to seminary, that sort of thing, and that bothers them. But they're offended by what he's saying and what he's doing. And they want to know... What gives him the authority to say amazing things like, I am the light of the world? They come to him and say, you're your, own, you're your own person talking by yourself and, and, and you, you're, you're false. You, have, you, you can't claim what you're saying. Nobody is testifying to what you are saying. You're on your own. And, and he responds this way. It's, there's such a big chapter. We can only focus on parts of it. But he responds to what they're saying in verse 17 and 18 by saying, in your law, meaning the law of Moses, the first five books of uh, the Old Testament, he says, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. 
Just take that apart for a minute, because you may be wondering, what does courtroom language like witnesses have to do with light and darkness? Well, don't we say things like, new evidence has been uncovered, has been uncovered, which sheds light on the truth of the case, right? We say things like that all the time. New evidence sheds light on what actually happened. So the law of Moses in places like the book of Deuteronomy stipulates that at least two witnesses were necessary for establishing fact in a court of law, right? Somebody couldn't be convicted of a crime and punished for it or disciplined for it unless there were at least two people who said, yeah, they did it. Yeah, we saw it. Yeah, we have evidence. You couldn't just go with somebody going, this happened. I saw it. You needed at least two witnesses, and that was a matter of justice to make sure that people weren't falsely accused. Now, Jesus, though, makes this remarkable claim. He's like, I testify about myself. I don't need any other witnesses. I'm my own witness. <laughs> That's why they're upset. He's like, I'm my own witness, okay? Now, how can he claim that? Well, he's already said, I am the light of the world. The funny thing about light is it testifies to itself. It, it proves its own presence and existence because, by the nature of light. Looking at Jesus, hearing Jesus is like looking at a lamp in a dark room. You don't need any other proof. Just looking at that light is proof in and of itself Jesus is saying there's no other confirmation necessary. I am my own witness because I am the light of the world. And yet he goes further. He says, in fulfillment of the law of Moses, there is another witness. If you really want a second, there is one, my Father in heaven. That's my witness. He is my witness. I do what he says because I know him, he knows me, and he sent me. Jesus embodied God's light in a world that embodies darkness. Jesus shows how just as he was the living water by which all may come and drink and receive eternal life, he is also the light of the world by which all can see as they look at him. He is, as you know, to use words that Galadriel said to Frodo, Jesus is the light for you when all other lights go out. And naturally, you have to be asking yourself, well, what is darkness? If this is how Jesus describes light, then what is darkness? Well, I, I think, you know, from a philosophical perspective or just an ex from experiencing life, and even scientifically, light is kind of the absence of darkness, isn't it? I'm sorry, darkness is the absence of light. You think it's been a long, I, was, I got up early this morning. Darkness is the absence of light. Or as some people say, it, 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 is, it is a lack, an absence of energy. What did it say in Genesis 1, before God said, let there be light? Right? It, it, it said the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, but it said that everything was dark and without form. And so in a simple sense, Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is you're not able to see where you're going. Darkness is you do not know the way. You cannot follow yourself out of the darkness. You cannot lead yourself out of it, nor anyone else. 
If our creator sent someone who said, I am the light, then there is so much that is not light. And so that brings us to the second contrast of Jesus' debate. This man who says, I am the light of the world, now contrasts truth and falsehood. Because if a person does not recognize Jesus as the light, then they are living a lie. I know that's a bold thing to say, but look at verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People love to use that expression. You see it everywhere. The truth will set Test. Thank you. We're doing this just because we recorded and it's being streamed, so we, we have to, we need amplification. Give me three minutes. Smoke them if you got them. Okay, we're good. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry for that interruption. That was my bad. I, I always try and check the battle lever, battery level before the service starts, and I forgot. Um, where were we? Oh, people use the expression all the time, the truth will set you free, because it, it's just one of those general truisms of, of life. Right? You get information. People say information is power. Right? The truth will set you free. And, and that's true. But people don't recognize the true meaning of that expression. Christianity asserts that truth is a person. It's not simply that information sets us free. It's that a person liberates us. You may say, well, freedom from what? How does the truth set us free? What does the truth set us free from? Keep reading. Verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And what we know about slavery, and in, in the ancient Roman world, it's not American slavery. It, it was a different type of slavery. It, it meant legally... Um, uh, <laughs> Legally, legally, you did not have dominion over your own life and your own pay. You were bound to somebody. You were bound to work for them. You were their property. And it meant that you weren't your own master. You didn't have free agency. You didn't have rights. Somebody else had rights over you, a form of oppression. And so Jesus is saying, this is how sin works Sin oppresses people so that they do not have free agency. It is, in a sense, their master from a moral perspective. Isn't that interesting? 
It's not just that somebody chooses darkness instead of light. It's not simply that somebody chooses lies over the truth. It's deeper than that. Sin, which the Bible describes as our moral, our natural moral condition of rebellion against our creator, our natural aversion against God's good plan, that sin holds us down. It shackles us. It keeps us in the dark. It keeps us believing lies. Yes, we are guilty, for the, we are guilty of the consequences for our own actions, and yet there is a part of sin that is holding us down. It's almost as if we can't help ourselves. Sin is our master, Jesus says, and that is what he has come to liberate us from. Sin, let's use another um, analogy, sin casts a shadow of spiritual darkness, okay? Spiritual darkness on reality. Like a lens, then that's all you see reality through, the lens of your sin, the lens of your sinful nature. It's a spiritual darkness cast on our society as a whole. It's a spiritual darkness cast on religion even. It's a spiritual darkness cast on your own view of yourself and your view of other people. It's a lens by which you see all things. And sin impacts us corporately as families. Families have habitual, even generational sins. Sin impacts us corporately as a church. Churches have blind spots and weaknesses throughout history and even today where corporately we disobey God or we fail to do what he calls us to do. Whole societies are impacted by the nature of sin. We live in a post-truth era. We live in an era where the mindset is, your truth is better than the truth. And, and that sounds enlightened. It sounds educated. It, it sounds generous, right? Hey, you, you believe whatever you want. I'm not going to challenge that. Your truth is better than any objective claim. That sounds generous. It sounds liberating, doesn't it? But you know, um, the, the preacher last century, the preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, having lived through the Second World War, having lived through global experiences like the war in Vietnam, the American Civil Rights Movement, the assassinations of world-class leaders like JFK and Martin Luther King Jr., after all of that, the very year I was born, um, he wrote these words, everything is advancing. Everything is advancing and going forward, so we must be better. But the facts prove that we are obviously worse. Right? The 20th century showed us, despite our uh, technological, our scientific, our medical achievements, our philosophy, uh, you know, sending somebody, we were sending somebody to the moon and massacring people and assassinating people at the same time. We must be better is the assumption, but obviously the facts prove that we are worse. And now you and I have seen what in the last few decades? We have seen September 11th. We have seen racial tensions even still in our society. We have seen pandemic politics in the last couple of years. We have seen 
an invasion of a sovereign nation, Ukraine, by a sociopath in a suit with a ton of power. Everything must be better is the assumption, but the facts are we are obviously worse. Sin, despite humanity's advancements, is holding us back. It is a form of slavery. Sin also impacts us personally, right? As individuals who do entrenched things that we regret, right? We, we, we keep doing things and saying things and thinking things and go, going, Ugh! again? Or worse, habits and words and thoughts that we don't regret. That's real slavery when we don't regret those things. You know, sin, despite your education, despite your wealth, despite your good looks, despite your charm and your great personality and all of your achievements, sin holds you back. You know it's true from the person you know you really could be. And when it really takes hold, you don't even believe you can be anything worthwhile. It's that powerful. Um, my, my invitation to you today is to ask God to liberate you. Today, ask God to liberate you from whatever sin is holding you back. Or ask God to liberate you from whatever lie it is that you are believing. Maybe you don't even know what it is, and it needs to be pointed out to you. That's a very biblical thing to do. David said it in Psalm 139. Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and test my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It's a very biblical Christian thing to do. Lord, do I believe a lie and do I, do I not know it? Well, if I do, please point it out to me. And I want to also ask you today, uh, ask God to liberate you from <clears throat> whatever objection to the truth, to Jesus, is holding you back. Sometimes we object, we take offense to what the Bible says, to what Jesus says. And maybe that's what you need to be liberated from, some type of an intellectual or personal or emotional barrier that is keeping you in the darkness. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, the truth will set you free. It's not simply like some random uh, neutral truth out there in the atmosphere is going to set you free. The force is not going to set you free. I'm sorry. Okay? A person is going to set you free. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my truth, I will set you free. That's what Jesus is saying. When I was a kid, we, I watched G.I. Joe cartoons in the 80s. And at the end of every cartoon, there was like a little moral lesson, like some little ethical lesson. And then G.I. Joe would say at the end of it, now, no, oh, now there you go, and knowing is half the battle. Anybody remember that G.I. Joe would say, and knowing, it, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. There you go. At least somebody. Um, and you know, that's, that's yeah, I, knowing is half the battle. Uh, uh, that's kind of helpful because truth casts light on the lies that you can't see in the darkness, right? So when something is revealed to you, when light is shed on something in your life, well, now you know. It doesn't mean it's over and it's resolved, but now you know. 
And that is liberating in and of itself because it is an invitation to move forward. It is an invitation towards healing. It is an invitation towards understanding. Ask God to liberate you from the sin or the lie or the objection that is holding you back from following Jesus, from sticking with Jesus. Jesus, another contrast, Jesus contrasts belief and unbelief. Here is the most obvious sign of spiritual darkness, unbelief. Right? You, maybe you are doing well and you're like, man, I really don't have a care in the world. I'm healthy. My people are healthy. I have a job. I can pay my bills. I'm enjoying the food I eat. I didn't get COVID. I, I'm really just doing well in life. Well, you could still be walking in darkness, Jesus is saying. And the greatest, most obvious proof for walking in darkness is unbelief. These religious leaders were the cream of the crop. They were respected. They had nifty clothes. Everywhere they went, people just gave them the best seats and the best food in the house. But ironically, the religious leaders are the ones who don't believe him. They're the most zealous for not believing him. And he tells them why. He says, I speak of what I have seen from my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And this is the most offensive contrast of them all. He tells them their dad is the devil. And he says, the devil is the father of lies. He, when, he, when he lies, he's speaking his own language. We speak English, and some people speak Swahili, and the Satan speaks lies. And he's your dad. Like, that's like the drop the mic and walk away from the debate. Like, who's your daddy? Satan's your daddy. And they're obviously offended. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? Enslaved? We are free people. We are the children of Abraham. We have the law of Moses. We are God's special, beloved people. Abraham is our father. How dare you say that we're slaves? Right? And so Jesus replies, hold on a minute. Abraham had faith. Abraham believed in the words of God. He was a sinner, but Abraham had faith. You don't. You're trying to kill me. And then this whole thing ramps up. It's, it's like, a, I wish Shakespeare would have written a play about this because the whole thing ramps up and the climax is, he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, why were they ready to throw stones at him? Because it was like, from their perspective, absolute blasphemy. <laughs> Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. And, and all of us Bible nerds like to think that he's quoting Exodus 3, when, when, God, when God in the bush, burning bush, said to Moses, I am that I am, but he's not. He's quoting passages all over the, the Old Testament, like Isaiah 43. I am he. I am he. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. And he says it at least two or three times in this debate. I am he, unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. And he says it again, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am he. And they like just absolute, right? The decibel meter goes all the way to the top and they, they're ready to stone him to death. And he escapes. And these are men who studied God's word, ready to stone God's son because of unbelief. 
To quote Martin Lloyd-Jones again, he said, it is the supreme achievement of the devil to persuade man that at the point where he is most muddled and enslaved, he is most free. You think you are free, but you're a slave. That's what sin does to us. That's what darkness does to us. It tricks us into seeing, into thinking that we can see. So I ask you again, what kernel of unbelief is holding you back from walking in the light with Jesus? Whether it's for the first time ever or whether there's a dark corner of your life that needs to be brought out into the light. One last contrast. Jesus contrasts slavery and freedom. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. This, right? He's making it, think about it. The slave works here, but the son, the daughter, lives here. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And now we learn that liberation is not just intellectual. It is. It is. God wants you to use your mind in every way. Jesus can redeem our intellect. But it's not just that. You can't study your way out of the darkness. Liberation is not just about exercise and eating right and going to the doctor, right? Like, like, like you, you, you can't mask yourself out of the darkness. You, you can't vitamin yourself. You can't supplement yourself and exercise your way out of the darkness. Although God gave you a body and a brain, you have chemicals and, and muscles that you are a steward of, and that's important, and Jesus will help you liberate. Uh, Jesus will help bring your physical existence into liberation. But liberation is more than that, Jesus is showing us. It's relational. Liberation is relational. What is he saying? God's son rescues you and brings you into the light. This is a picture of a father and his children and a home. And he's saying the true daughter, the true son, the true heir, the true child stays forever. They have a place. They belong here. He's saying the reason the truth will set you free is I am the truth and I come and rescue you out of the darkness and bring you into my father's house. You've heard me say this before. My kids have friends and those kids are welcome in our house by association with our kids, right? I mean, yeah, if I don't know you, you're still welcome in my house. Uh, you don't have to be my kid's friend. But my point is if, if those kids come into my house for dinner, for a sleepover, to play video games, to eat popcorn, to make a mess in the backyard, whatever. They are welcomed by association with my children. That's their passport into my house. And Jesus is saying even more than that. He's saying your passport into the presence of the Father is through me. I'm the Son. And if the Son sets you free, you are really free. And that is great hope for those of us who are trapped in the darkness of our objections and doubts and self-hate and sins. 
And he goes further. He says to these people who are ready to stone him and don't believe in him, he says, when, right? Because they're like, who's your witness? He's like, I'm my witness. Oh, and my heavenly father is my witness. But he goes further. He says to them, we didn't read this, this part, but it says in verse 28, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. When you have crucified me, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Jesus surrendered his freedom. Jesus was the only one who was truly free, and he gave it all up to be lifted up on a Roman cross for us. That is the brilliant, blinding, bright, self-authenticating witness on a Roman cross of God's love for you. That is the truth setting you free. It has to begin at the cross. That is the witness that Jesus loved you and took your sins to the cross with him. And I don't know if it's an addiction that is keeping you in the darkness. I don't know if it's like, I'm a man of science and I think faith is silly. I don't know if it's a relationship or somebody who has abused you. I don't know if it's just not popular to believe in Jesus and there's a tremendous amount of social pressure on us to follow Jesus in, in our society today. Whatever the situation is, your healing, you coming out of the darkness starts with looking at what the light of God is exposing and shining on most brightly, and it is a crucified Savior. That is where healing begins. That is where you learn to love something more than the lie that you want to believe and, and cuddle and pet, is that Jesus loved you so much that his witness to the truth of the Father and the love of the Father and the unconditional love of the Father is hanging on a cross as the light of the world, as the truth of the world. So, he is the only source of light. He is the only source of truth. He is therefore the only source of real freedom. And so, I want you to run to him and ask him today to liberate you from whatever sin is holding you back, from whatever lie is holding you back from whatever objection is holding you back from embracing him and following him and continuing to follow him. And for some of you, you've never started following him. Ask him to liberate you from your doubts today. And for some of you, you love him, you're following him, but there's one thing, there's one thing. Ask him to liberate you from that. And it may mean praying with somebody. It may mean confessing it to somebody. It may mean getting help. It may mean getting advice. It may mean reading books. It may mean exercising. I don't know. But it starts with seeing the light of a crucified Savior who died in your place because he loves you. Uh, so we're going to take communion now, uh, but let's pray first. Father, we are going to celebrate now um, the illumination of your suffering on our behalf. And we ask that even as um, Jesus said, 
when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Even now, as we set aside uh, these common elements of bread and the cup for your holy purposes, we ask now that you would draw us all to yourself. Lord, may we embrace your truth, your light, and may we be truly free in Christ. Amen.